all he has a lot of different names that reveal like different aspects of his character to us. But like YHWH would be like the old school what they said. And he said that's really a word that really is not even pronounced. He said every breath that you take is speaking God. He said like the YH, if you keep those numbers in your head, those letters in your head when I'm saying what I'm saying, it just hits different. Like the YH is like when a baby's born for the first time, they cut that umbilical cord and it's crying. You know, it's like they blew and they're like, they take that first breath. That's the YH. So like when you're born, the first word that you're speaking is a part of the name of God. That's your breath. So every breath that you're taking in is that YH. And then when you exhaust out, like when you're on your deathbed and you're taking your last breath, wherever that may be, that's the WH, that, that sound. So that was God's name. It wasn't a name like Joe or nothing like that. It's so it's like that. Does that make sense? To me, that blows my mind when I read that and seen that. It was just so beautiful. Now every time I breathe, I'm thanking God, you know. So anyway, he's sustaining this, and he created this perfect universe that we're in. The sun is like, they say, 12,000 degrees on its surface or something like that, and 27 million degrees in its core. I don't know how you know that, but you just say 27 million degrees. That's pretty hot, right? And it's traveling, at, like I said, 450,000, and it's perfect in its distance from us, right? Because God is sustaining that by his word. His spoken word is what made that happen. So... Just think if he stopped sustaining it. Think of the fair. You know, I, my, what popped in my crazy brain was like, I've seen videos of the fairs. You know who puts those fairs together. So if y'all go to the fairs, you, <laughs> them carnies who's putting that thing together, some people put more trust in those carnies on that than they do the creator of the universe. Amen. So I've seen videos of them ones that spinning around when them things break loose and you get slung out. Imagine the sun, the size that it is. Traveling at 450,000 miles per hour at the massive size of that, and God just quit sustaining it for the day. Do you imagine that thing getting slung out across? Coming out, that is insane. But everything stays in such perfect rotation, and all of us and all of that is just mind-blowing. So he's keeping that sustained by his word. You know, before there was anything, there was God. And long after anything would be God. God didn't don't need us. He created us. For fellowship with him and all that, but he's perfectly perfectly sustainable without anything. But he done it, and we're to give back to him and all these different things. So uh, he brought into existence everything that we have by his word, by being spoken into. And all science is doing is kind of tapping in to learn how he, how the things that he has created operates. So think about that word, you know, the power as we go on down. He says, day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. And he's talking about his creation and how he's set it forth. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end to heaven. And it's circuit to the other end, and there's nothing hidden from its heat. So I'm going to stop there. But going on, go on forth, so he said everything and sustained. He brought all this into existence by his spoken word. So how many of us has ever created anything, made anything by your words? Have you ever spoke anything in existence? I've created things. I've made things, I should say. I've made people mad. 
You know, you can make people happy or, you know, whatever by your words. You can create things by your speech and aspects of that. And, we, you know, that's one of the ways that we can resemble God, if you will, in the made in his image thing. Like we do have the power of our words to create things. You know, Scripture tells us that. You know, we have the power of life and death is in the power of, you know, of the tongue. Things that we speak, we can bring the things into existence of that, good or bad, in our lives by the how we communicate with others around us. Does that make sense? But I've never spoke an apple into my hand. I've never spoke any type of thing of tangible evidence in my hand. So sit around and look at everything, that the, the things that you're sitting in that God has created from the beginning. So keep that in mind as we share our word, uh, you know, with people who are lost or people who may be doubting this morning. I want you to keep that in mind, that that's, that's the three ways that we can point them toward God. Like if they're... An intellectual type who ain't going to read and refuse or whatever, just get them to point them to the direction of looking at his creation and different things like that. You yourself, if you have doubts, you know, calm down, turn the world off just for a minute, focus on God and look at his creation. And I hope everybody here gets, you know, the thought of my mind when I was closing out was, you know, that everybody with that spoken word, all it takes is from God, is one word from God can change your whole life, your whole existence. Amen. And I hope everybody before you leave today gets that word. And I was thinking, you know, what word, you know, is, you know, a single word from God? Like You hear that? Well, Brother David said it perfect, Jesus. So I hope everybody before you leave today, that's your word for today. Jesus, seek him above all things, and all things will be added unto you. Amen. Brother David. Heard a fellow say one time, you know, God spoke a word and there was the earth. And all of us on the earth could put our faith together and we couldn't create a BB. So, <laughs> that's how powerful God's word is. All of you know that this month is Pastor Appreciation Month. And uh, I'm glad that the church as a whole takes time to honor, sets aside a time to honor uh the pastor. In First Timothy five seventeen it says that the elders that labor among you are to be counted worthy of double honor. Paul said in Romans that we're to give honor to whom honor is due. And so I would like for our pastors, Mark and Gabby, y'all. You know, having been a pastor for 50 years, I probably understand what a pastor goes through better than anybody in here. And I also understand what days like today means. When just an expression of love from the congregation comes forth, regardless of how I may be dealing with stuff. Days like today just makes me, always made me rise up above that and just put that aside and thank God for the folks that we have and for the ones that are here and what's going on. And I know 
as I said, from having been a pastor, I know what, and Loretta with me because she experienced a lot of my problems, but I know what they go through. And uh, so I don't know. I hope everybody got to sign the card and was made aware of that we were receiving a financial offering to bless our pastors with. And if you didn't get that word, it was because you just, you know, it wasn't missed on purpose, okay? But if you got money to give, you can still give them. If you don't give money, you can still give them, okay? <laughs> but we wanted to just be a blessing, your congregation. For what y'all do. And uh, the people have come together to show you their love. First of all, Children's Church has got a presentation. Speaking to the mic. Okay. Can you read what it says? <laughs> Can I read what it says? <laughs> it says, A pastor devoted to giving so much, God only knows the souls that you've touched, committed to serve. When you when you answer God's call, you prove you prove it by being a servant to all. Thank you, uh, Victory Fellowship Kids 2023. Thank y'all. Now, your congregation gave money throughout this month to bless y'all with. And in this envelope is a card with the names on it. And there's $820 that this congregation has given. Plus a gift card. <clears throat> and the gift card was given to a restaurant. So if the, if you, if the gift card's not enough to cover your meal, maybe you can pay for it with some of the other. But we also know that y'all had thought about going on a little trip next weekend. Then you had to put the hair unit in. And I don't know whether you still plan on doing that or not. Hopefully you will. We want to bless you. God bless you, son. God bless you, baby. Thank y'all tremendously. We we do not do this to expect any of this. I promise. We do it because we know this is what God called us to do. We do it because we love to. We love all of y'all. Pray for all of y'all daily. And, you know, just, just thank y'all for being the tremendous group and congregation that you are. And I know, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I can fully understand now the joy that Daddy had as pastor. And pastoring this group in this church, I see it, I understand it. You know, do I feel like I'm worthy of this call? Most times not. Because I'm still human like y'all, and I still deal with things. We still deal with things. Just because we have failures and we give up, God never does. 
We're going to face opposition every day when we go out into this world. We're doing what God's called us to do. And so we just keep on. And I want to thank Gabby for... Over the past year and a half, nearly two years, I mean, I live with him. We've been 25 years. October 2nd of this month, we went on our first date 25 years ago. And and so, over the past two years, I've seen a growth in her that I haven't seen since we've been together. And it's a blessing. And she pushes me. I mean, constantly, she... Reminding me of stuff, telling me stuff that I need to do, stuff that I don't need to do. And so I thank God for it because, you know, I've said this before. When when this come up and I told her, she said, I don't feel good enough to be a pastor's wife. I said, well, good. I don't feel good enough to be a pastor. So we're in this together. We're going to stay in this together. But we need y'all. We need your prayers. We need your support. We need your prayers more than anything, I promise. But thank y'all for being who you are, and thank y'all for this. You want to say anything? (laughs) I'm red-eyed and everything. I gotta get my Bible. Thank y'all. Now I gotta preach. I appreciate that. <laughs> Goodness. Amen. It's good to see everybody this morning. Glad you're here. It's a joy for you to be here. You didn't just come just just out of whatever. You came here for a specific reason today. And we always sang about it, we've talked about him, and that reason is Jesus, right? And you need Him in your life. You need Him working in your life every day. Whether it's your first time here, you've been here since the start of this whole thing. We're thankful that you're here. So, but let's receive our offering just now. Amen? Amen. One announcement that was not in the bulletin. Um, it's back there on the on the back wall. But if you like Living Faith Quartet, they will be at the First Baptist Church here at Faultful tonight at 6. Um, as far as I know, that's a free admission, so just everybody go. And We know we've had them here. We've heard them before. They do a wonderful job. So um, remember that. So pray this morning. Collectively, well, I want to pray, and you need to pray too and join together that whatever sickness is going around through this church, through your families, whatever it is, that, that God will work and move in your life and the people that you know that's dealing with it. Because there's several here. I've been... You know, dealing with stuff this week, Hallie, I know the Fowlers, they had that old COVID mess. And, and so, you know, but God's bigger than all that, right? Jesus, as we, as we spoke about, he took, the, what, the 39 stripes for every disease that could be on this earth, right? He took those stripes for us. So we want to pray for that. But Miss Bonnie Hughes, the, the one that sat up here at the front, she called this morning, or, or Elliot did, her husband, and said she was pretty bad sick. So we want to remember her as we pray. And then my sister Becky, she's dealing with some sickness in her life, so remember her as we pray this morning. Anything else right now before we pray? Yes, ma'am.
Okay. All right. Well, we'll remember those as we pray. And if you can't, well, I can't remember those names. You say, God, be with those needs that my aunt, that Aunt Neat mentioned, okay? And he knows what they are, I promise. So, all right. Well, let's join together and pray right now. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. Again, we thank you for this time this morning. We thank you for your blessings on each and every one of the people that's that's here this morning, God, that's that's a part of this. Father, we just ask that you just touch and you move in their lives today. We thank you for them, Father. Thank you, God, that you, uh, in this service already, God, I know the Holy Spirit's here and moving and working in people's lives, and it'll continue that aspect as we go on through our service today, Father, that, that we'll leave here different than what we came in. We'll, we'll allow ourselves to to submit, our, to, to submit our lives to you as you've called us to and drop everything else in our life that's hindering us from being in that relationship with you as you've told us to be, as we need to be. God, I just thank you that you're touching and moving and working in people's lives this morning. I pray for Miss Bonnie Hughes that you touch her there at home sick with this sickness that the stuff is going around. Father, I speak just over the whole, the whole body, the whole assembly right now, the people that's dealing with these things. God, that you just touch and you move in each and every one of our lives. You bring health and healing as your word says, by your stripes we are healed. And we fully believe that right now in the name of Jesus, that your healing hand is on each and every one that's dealing with these sicknesses, Father. We thank you for that. I'll be with Becky as she's over there in Florence dealing with this sickness in her life also, God, that you just touch and you move in her life right now. God, the ones that Aunt Neat mentioned, God, that you're with every situation. The young man Dallas, that the tree fell on his head, God. We know that you, you can still work and move and heal in this situation, however bad it is. And, Father, the other ones you mentioned, God, you know what they are. You heard them spoke. And, God, we lift them up to and we thank you that you're working and moving in their lives. God, as we go on today, Father, we just look to you. We look to you right now in our life that we dive into your word this morning, that we open up and that we receive in Jesus' name. God, we pray for these tithes and offerings this morning that you touch and bless each and every one in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, children, y'all can go to Children's Church, and I think I think y'all are decorating pumpkins. I'm, we're gonna speak protection over them. I don't know if she's got knives back there. I don't know what she's got. So, yeah, do what? They're just painting. Good. I thought they were carving. Whew. We had to. We don't need none of that going on. But all right. Amen. Amen. Again. Thank y'all again. I can't say it enough, but thank y'all. Um, we'll turn to the book of Mark. If you don't know, if you don't remember where we're at, if you haven't been here before, this is our sixth message in the book of Mark. We're in Mark chapter 5. Um, talked last week about uh, 
Jesus and, and the disciples in the storm and Him calming that storm and, and them going to the other side. So we're going to read this morning, start out in the book of Mark, where Jesus, where are they at? They're on the other side, right? Why? Well, Jesus said they was going to get there. Jesus said that they were going to go to the other side. He, he never told us, we, you're going to get from point A to point B, but He never told us what was going to be in the way from point A to point B, besides He was going to be right there with us, right? Just like He's with the disciples in the storm. He's with us each and every day of our life. And so, you know, I know that these are all scriptures that we've heard. If you've been at church at any point in your life, you've probably heard a lot of these stories and, and things in the Bible that we're reading now. But guess what? As we say a lot of times, and if you've been here for any amount of time, you've heard that faith comes by what? And hearing by? how You already know it, right? So we, we hear the Word of God, and, and we believe the Word of God. So there is, if we want our faith to grow, and we want to be able to go through the storms and problems of this life with our head high and not tucked low and off in a corner somewhere, then how are we going to have to do it? By hearing by the Word of God, right? By our faith growing. And so in James chapter 2 and verse 26, it also says this. Oh, I'm sorry, Romans 10, 17, we read that. So faith comes by hearing him by the Word of God. But there's something else we've got to do after we hear the Word, right? What, what do we have to do after we hear the Word? We have to do the Word. We have to put this Word into practice. In James 2, 26, We'll get back to Mark in a second. There's a few scriptures that I put on my heart this week that I want to read before we go into this because it sets a precedence for where Jesus and the disciples were at and where we need to be in our life. And so in James 2.26, says, For as the body um, is with, without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So faith without showing faith in our life. You say, well, I'm full of faith. Well, what are you doing? How are you showing that you have faith? Well, that's in every area of our life, whether, whether it's, it's speaking Jesus in every situation. That takes faith to do that. It takes, it takes boldness to do that. And so if we're not in the Word, we're not going to speak the Word. We're not going to know what to speak. We're not going to know what to say besides the doubt and unbelief of this world that comes out if we don't know the Word of God. So faith without works is dead. In James 1.22 it says, Be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Doers of the Word. It's great to hear it. It's great that you're here this morning hearing the Word of God. You need to be here and hear the Word of God. J.J. spoke, and, and we, he spoke the Word of God about creation, right? It takes faith to believe in a God that created all this. And because science, as he said, will tell us otherwise, that it was just a big bang and it happened, and we all formed out of whatever we formed out of. But we know that it takes faith to believe those things. It takes faith to believe in Jesus. We read about Him, but we've never seen Him. It takes faith to believe in God that we've never laid eyes on, but we can know the presence of God and feel that presence of God and the Holy Spirit in our life, and we know that He's real. So be doers of the Word, not hearers only. Back in Mark 5, as we, as we read last week, they said they'd make it to the other side. The disciples, remember at the end of, the, at the end of chapter 4, He said, where is your faith? Where is your faith, right? Did Jesus then... Because he, got, he asked his disciples where their faith did. He cast them aside because they didn't show any faith during that situation. No. What did he do with them when they had no faith? He carried them further. Why? Because he wanted to build their faith. They're with Jesus and had no faith. They're with the Savior of this world and had no faith in what he was doing. Or the ability that God gave them through the power of the name of Jesus and had no faith. 
But we do not read until the end of it, until Jesus goes to the cross, that the disciples, they didn't stop, did they? A lot of our issue in the church today, in this modern church, that, that we don't, we've not had enough conflict in our life to know whether we can go on or not. And I'm not saying we pray for conflict. No, we're not going to pray for conflict because I promise there's going to be some every day. But we're so comfortable in our life that we don't know struggle, we don't know pain, we don't know suffering in our life as, as what these were going through. But, but the disciples, another word we read right here, it doesn't give any indication that they sat down and decided not to go on with Jesus, did they? But we got a church and people, a lot of Christians in America today that face a little trouble and tribulation and they sit down and stop following Jesus. After they know that He's done all these things in their life, He's brought them through time and time and time again, but yet we see the evidence of people falling away. Why? Because they're not really in the Word. They've got a little faith, a little, and now you say, well, that's all it takes, but yet they're not producing anything. They're not showing anything. They're not doing anything else with it. They'll come maybe fill up a seat a couple times a year. And then that's it. That's all the God they need. Why? Because everything's going good at the moment. And then, and then sure, when, when bad things happen, a lot of people do look to God during those bad times. But why aren't we looking to Him all the time? Why aren't we looking to Him every day just as the disciples were with Jesus every day and still had a little faith, but yet Jesus didn't cast them aside? Jesus is not casting anybody else aside this morning either. If you're not, well, I just don't have faith for that. Well, guess what? You've got a chance to grow your faith today. Why? Because you're hearing the Word of God. And then you've got a chance to go live that life and produce faith out of your life and produce what the love of Jesus out of your life by going and living that life every day. And so... So as we go on, we, we, we know that God works and moves. And we know we're called, if Jesus is Lord of your life, you are called to be His, his disciple, right? Just as, just as He's 12, where Jesus called all of them to be His disciple. And they followed Him. They followed Him. So the, the modern thing to do today, instead of following Jesus, is to say what? I don't have to. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And I guess technically you do not have to come to this to an assembly to be a Christian. You don't. But that's just an excuse for people not to have to get up and make any type of sacrifice because they don't want to. Now all that is is an excuse, and they don't want to do those things, so they'll they'll throw that out there. Well, I don't have to go to I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You are correct. But if you are striving to, to live as God told us to, then you want to be here to worship and praise His name. You have a want to and a desire to be in an assembly to where the Word of God's preached and that it can build you up, not just for the day, but as you go on through the week. You'll have that want to and that desire to. And that's why the disciples stayed with Him. It's like, we, we fully don't know who this Jesus is, but we're going to stay. We're going to stay. Because everywhere we read that Jesus went, opposition met him, right? Troubles met him. So that means they met the disciples also. And sure, there was plenty that talks about it that, they, you know, besides these 12, they had plenty fall away and walk away. They said, no, I don't want anything else to do with it. They were just spectators. They were just sitting up there as fans, and things didn't go well. And like the first half of the Bama game yesterday, if you're a Bama fan, I, I said it. I don't know why I, I threw the remote to Gab. I ain't watching this game. 
And then I did watch it on my phone. And, and so, you know, you're sitting there thinking, oh, it's awful. Auburn put up with a lot worse than that last night, didn't they? <laughs> Do what? <laughs> and, and so it's bigger than a game. But the fans, if you were, if you were there watching the game and your team's not winning, you, you as a fan are like, I'm done with this. I'm done with it. I'm not watching it no more. I'm not doing it no more. And we do the same thing with our relationship with Jesus. If it's not going how we want it to, if I'm not getting blessed by God, if I can't, if I can't rub on a genie or on a, on a magic bottle and poof, God appears for me and just fixes everything and everything's okay, then I'm going to sit down and I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to fall away. Why? Because that's what our flesh wants to do. That's what the devil wants you to do. That's what he's trying to get Jesus to do. The devil himself tried to get Jesus to worship him in the 40 days in the wilderness and forget all this stuff. And he wants you to do the same thing. That's why he paints everything so pretty to where we keep our eyes fixed on everything else but Jesus. But we're, we're called. If, if, we're, if we are a follower of Jesus, if he's Lord of our life, then we're a disciple. So these are some commandments. These are some things that Jesus says in, the new, in, in, his, in his word that people will know that we're a disciple of Jesus. So let's read these real quick. We'll get back to Mark. John thirteen thirty four. And you don't have to turn. It'll be on there. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. You love one another. Each other. We, we need to start with the people that's in here. Sometimes we need to start with the people that's in our own family. We need to love them with a love that Jesus loves us so that we can show out and show others that are not in our family because it's easier sometimes to love others that are not in our family and that we don't know their past, we don't know their history, they haven't done anything to hurt us. Well, I can love them pretty easy. But we don't love our own family. We don't love our own brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. We're throwing darts at each other all the time. But he says, as I have loved you, that you love one another. John eight thirty one, He said, and Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, those Jews... These were not Gentiles. We're Gentiles, right? We're, we're what the Bible considers Gentiles. Jews, modern-day Jews in Israel, still consider us Gentiles, all right? You're, we're still, and we won't go into that today. So those Jews, these are the same Jews that crucified Jesus. These are the same Jews that are the war in Israel's going on right now, all right? There's a lot that goes in with that. He said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So that not only went to the Jews, but that goes to us today. That goes to us Gentiles. If you abide in His Word, you are His disciples indeed. So abiding in His Word means knowing His Word and reading His Word and doing His Word. John thirteen thirty five. I meant to read that after 34 and I had it mixed up in my notes. By all this you'll know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. If you have love one for another. That's how people will know that you're a disciple of Jesus if you have love one for another. Luke fourteen twenty six. This is a hard one that being a disciple of Jesus that we don't want to do. This 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 is makes a lot of people walk away from being where they need to be with God in their life. In their relationship with Jesus. If anyone comes to me and does not hate hate his father and his mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life also he cannot be my disciple. Hate. I'm supposed to hate them? No, you're supposed to love God above everything else. Your children, grandchildren, whoever else is in your life, spouse, is not supposed to be above God. 
Your job, your career, your school is not supposed to be above God. You, yourself, is not supposed to be above God. We have too many, I'm the God of my own life, when you're not. You're not the God of your own life. Do you want to be a disciple? You said, Jesus, be Lord of my life. That said, he, hey, I'm, you're called into my kingdom. I'm accepting you as you are, and I'm cleansing you, okay? So, so with that, we are, we are things we've got to do to produce Jesus in our life <coughs> and in the effects of our salvation. Luke fourteen twenty seven, And whoever does not bear his own cross and come out to me cannot be my disciple. I mean, there's no gray area in this. I, I don't read any words in red that if you got a Bible that the words are in red, there's no gray area. It's all black and white, right? So these things we've got to do to be a disciple of Jesus. We've got to get rid of all these other things in our life. And if we don't do it, then, then us being a disciple is not where it needs to be. So, and I'm, this, listen, I've, I've dealt with this all week, okay? I've had to ask forgiveness of my own self and things I've led in my own way and get in, my, get in the way of my relationship with Jesus to where I can be who God's called me to be. Because if I'm up, sure, it's easy up here to preach it, kind of, but if you, if you read this every week and you read this every day and you're like, God, I need to change this. Holy Spirit, help me to know how to change this in my life. You know, remove this from me. Remove it from me and then go on and get better and stop living in that same area that, that, you're, that you're living in. Luke 14.33 goes on to say, So likewise, who, whoever of you does not forsake all, he cannot be my disciple. Forsake all. That don't mean we show hate toward anybody else, but that means we love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength, right? That means we do that. And then these others will fall into place when we do that. So it's black and white. There's no gray area. When you ask Jesus, Lord, of your life, do you feel like you halfway got saved? Be honest. Do you feel like He just, I'm going to forgive you of a few sins, but not all of them? So He fully saved us, and He fully forgives us of our sins when we ask Him to, right? So if He does that, then why do we halfway follow Him as He's told us to? And I'm talking to all of us as a collective body of Christ in this world today, especially in America. We halfway follow Him. Because if we did, then, then, then the church doors would be busting wide open. But a lot of times it would be busting open with us as believers that come in here and get built up to go out and spread the Word of God to those that are lost and dying. That we know, J.J. asked this morning, do you know people in your life that are not saved? And there's probably, I couldn't see, but I can imagine, was there a hand not raised this morning? So you have a responsibility as a disciple of Jesus that you know people are not saved to go witness to those people. To go share the love of God with them. To go bring them in because you're called to be a disciple just as these 12 are. So you didn't halfway get saved. You didn't halfway get forgiven of your sins. So, so if we want to have faith and live this life as He's told us to, then we've got to get in the Word. We've got to know what to say and how to do it. And through that will come boldness to witness to those people. Because we all know it's harder to witness to our own family than it is a stranger on the street a lot of times. It's harder to live, to, to, to speak sometimes at home because she knows how I am at home. Am, am I this, do I preach at home? No, because I do, I get in trouble. I don't get in trouble. 
but I don't, I, I can't go home and, and I'm not preaching to her. I've not got the word, hey, this is what you need to do to be different. She's working on it. <laughs> Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. So Jesus, they went over to the other side. Mark 5 and 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gardenians. And all I can figure, find out about this place, it was a place prominently Gentile. We know that by the swine because Jews didn't eat, eat, eat pork, right? So they had no use for swine. So it was a big commodity in that area as we'll read on. And when it come out of the boat immediately, remember Mark loves 39 times in this book does he use the word immediately. Immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Why in the world? Jesus, they just get through a storm. They just get through all that the disciples do. And opposition meeting them immediately, right? Because I said earlier that every day you get up and you're a child of God, opposition wants to come immediately to you as soon as you get up out of bed. Immediately when you open your eyes. Immediately to you every day. Why? Because if you're striving to be the one that God called you to be, just as Jesus was, just as the disciples are, then immediately there's going to be opposition. Immediately there's going to be problems. And so everywhere Jesus went, immediately there was, there was opposition from the devil because he doesn't want you doing and living the life that God's called you to live this out of this word. He don't want you producing faith. Why? Because he knows the power in the name of Jesus as we're going to read here who had been dwelling among the tombs when no one could bind him with chains. So this guy, and, and another, I think in Matthew, it, shows, it talks about two guys there. But no one, no one could, so they just left him alone. You know, it's like that old house that you see in these, in these films. Like this time of year, especially Halloween's up and people watching scary movies or whatever. And there's that one house that's all grew up. And everybody walks by it and they're like, yeah, I don't want to go there. Crazy person lives there. I don't know what's going on. I don't want to know what's going on. And so they had got this way with this guy. We're just going to leave him in the cemetery and just don't go there, especially at night. Right? There's nothing good. A bunch of, and you see it all the time in these scary movies. For some reason, there's a bunch of white kids that go out into the stuff. It's like, why are you going that way? How dumb. Just, just stay there. Anyway, never understood. So, they dwell among tombs and no one could bind him with chains. And verse 4. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and these chains had been pulled apart by him. And the shackles broken into pieces, neither could anyone tame him. So they decided to leave him alone. They decided to just let him do what he's going to do. In essence, when I read this, what happened? They left him alone, and the whole area became comfortable with the demons that lived there. Just as in today, in your own life, you have become comfortable with the sin that's around you and, and going on in your own life, and you do nothing to change it. And, and you're, you're just like, okay, that's fine. It's okay. No, it should not be. Jesus, <coughs> he, he did not just automatically, the storm didn't just make them go to this certain place. Jesus had in his mind before he ever went in his spirit, hey, I'm going here because the devil is working in this area and I'm going to bind him out from this area and out from this man and I'm going to totally heal this man. So Jesus had a purpose. It wasn't just on a whim. Just all of a sudden, oh, they went through a storm and then, you know, it turned them a different way and they ended up in this country. They didn't know where they was at. No, he knew exactly where he was going and knew exactly that there was going to be a person there that was possessed of the devil, that had demons. 
He knew exactly what was going to be going on. And so it says always day and night this man was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. So it was a horrible life. He was tormented 24 hours a day, seven days a week, this man was. It don't say how many years. It doesn't, say, it doesn't give us any of that. But we know I couldn't imagine being one night in this kind of thing. I've never wanted to cut myself. I've never wanted to cause pain to myself to this point to where that's all I've done. And so I couldn't imagine the constant agony that this man was going through. If he says he was cutting himself with stones every night, he didn't have a sharp knife. You know, I remember when I was a teenager, I knew somebody that in a breakup with a girl. And so I don't know. I've never, never dealt with this. But, and he come to my house and he had a bunch of slashes on his wrist, on his arm right here, not even on his wrist. I'm like, what are you doing? I just, I just, I thought about taking my own life. I'm like, no, you didn't. You just want attention. That's all you want. I mean, and, and so I've never dealt with those things. But, you know, this man was doing with, with a stone, not a knife, not, not anything else. And not to the point where he's killing himself, but he was just causing him pain. Causing him pain with those things. But I love this in verse 6. And when he, this is a little, this ain't, when he, this is the man, okay? I believe this, this man at this certain time was in his some kind of right mind and he saw Jesus. I believe that, and the devils knew that he was there too. The demons knew that he was there. He saw Jesus. And what did he do? He didn't run away from him. He didn't go mocking him. He didn't go, he didn't go up to his face and put his finger in it mad. No, what did he do? He said he sat down and worshipped him. Worshipped him. Why? Because this man was so tormented. And if you've been around any, any people that were oppressed or, or, or possessed by a devil, this conversation come up this morning. Hallie was asking about it the other night. They don't act that way all the time. Okay? People that are demon-possessed, you say, oh, this is, this is real. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, wanted, I wanted to pick a scary story, okay, for, for Halloween is what I wanted to do. No, this is real, and it happens in people's lives. People in this world today are still demon-possessed and still oppressed by the devil. It, it, why? Because the devil is still ruler of this world. And he's still roaming around, as we said last week, seeking those whom he may devour. And that's everyone in here if we let our guard down. So he still wants to do those things. But we all, if you've ever been around anybody with this kind of thing going on, they're not all the time just speaking crazy stuff. You know, there's, there's times where they are sane. And you're like, well, I don't see nothing wrong, but then something comes and it comes out. And normally when the name of Jesus is spoken or something about, you know, they need this in their life or that, then that change comes. You're like, hey, there it is. There it is right there. And, and if you've ever been in those one situations, physically it's uncomfortable. But that's where you need to know who you are in Christ Jesus and know that the name of Jesus that we were saying about this morning, that's above every name, is above that evil spirit also. So, let's read on. And he ran and worshipped him. So this man, he's like, hey, that, that person right there, there's something about him. I, he didn't have a Bible. He didn't have Mark chapter 5 to read, okay? He didn't have Mark at all to read. This was about Jesus. He didn't have any of that. So he ran down and worshipped him. So what happens when Jesus enters a situation? When you allow Jesus into your life to enter that situation, what happens? Change comes, doesn't it? Change is inevitable. Why? Because when Jesus is in the room, things, are, things cannot stay the same in this world. 
Things cannot stay the same in your life unless you want them to. Because Jesus is right there all the time and said, hey, look to me. Right here, the author and the finisher of your salvation. Look right here to me. Cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. And we're still looking at everything else. We're looking at him and he's standing there wanting us to look at him. But this man ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice. Now this is the demon coming out, right? He said, what I have to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. How did he know Jesus? He was with Jesus. Those were part of that third of the heavens of the demons that were cast out whenever they tried to overtake God on his throne. So Jesus was there when that happened. So they knew exactly who he was. So they'd been trying to kill Jesus as a man since he was born. So 33 years later, they're still trying to kill him. Or 30 and a half, 31 years later, whatever he was at this point, that they were still trying to kill him. They're still trying to do things again. But the demon said, hey, Jesus, son of the most high God, why, why are you tormenting me? You're like, how in the world the devils torment us? You know, Jesus, when Jesus is in the room, the devils have no power or authority over the name of Jesus. And, and so when we understand that, then we can understand that, that whatever's, in the, whatever's there in your life, whatever you're dealing with, whatever demon is trying to come upon you, and you say, demon's trying to come upon me? Yeah, that, that happens. All right, that happens. So he said to them, for he said, he said, this is Jesus. He said to him, to the man, come out of the man, unclean spirit. There, he didn't say, he didn't show here that there was any kind of convulsion going on. I believe Jesus spoke sternly to that, to that evil spirit. I believe as we, when we speak to the devil, if you try to speak timid to the devil, that he's just going to laugh in your face. You say, what? Yeah, yeah, because why? Because he knows the only power you have is not in yourself. It's through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit working through that name. He said, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then here's the next verse that caught me because I've never realized it by this. Never thought of it till reading it this week again. That Jesus didn't ask the name of the demon before he cast it out, did he? He didn't ask what was going on. He said, come out of him. So in my, my mind, when I read this, if we read the next verse, that the man standing here, fully clean of that unclean spirit, and there's a pile of demons right here. Because in the next verse, Jesus says, what is your name? He's not talking to the man. He's talking to the demons. So he's like, there's a, a pile of demons right here. Why? Because he said, my name is Legion, for we are many. For we are many. And, and so that, that to me, I don't know, it just, I've never read it that way. I don't believe that when Jesus said, hey, come out of this man, that it was still in there when he asked him his name. Now, I believe he was speaking to the demon himself. And whatever demon form that it was in at that time, spiritual form, he said, what's your name? And he said, for legion we are many. And, and so we look at this and we're like, Jesus spoke to the devil himself. Jesus spoke to these demons. And as we go on, we know that the man was completely healed. He was completely made whole. Why? Because of the name of Jesus. And, and, and casting them out. And yes, you have the same ability through the name of Jesus to speak against demons in your life. Demons in this world, oppression that comes over you. Whatever it is, you have that power in the name of Jesus to speak over those things. You say, well, well I, I tried it and it didn't work. You obviously didn't do it right. And there's nothing you say, how do I do it right? As we've already heard this morning. We sung about it this morning. 
when we get bold enough to actually speak the name of Jesus and stand on the name of Jesus and stand on His Word and say, No! No more! And get bold enough to actually do something, then the name of Jesus is more powerful than that demon. The name of Jesus is more powerful than any oppression on your life. Depression, oppression, sickness, disease, whatever it is, it's more powerful than that, as you've already heard this morning. And we say it again, and we'll say it every week when we come in here. The name of Jesus is above every name. The name of Jesus is above all. And so Jesus himself is speaking here. There's nobody speaking about Jesus as we are. No, this is Jesus, Son of God, speaking. And, And we know that that the demons are like, hey, don't take us before our time. Go cast us into those swine. Verse 13. After the demons had, had wanted to be cast into the, to the flock of swine, the flock of pigs, it says, at once Jesus gave them permission. Jesus gave them permission. He's like, well, what does that have to do with anything? The demons were stuck. They couldn't do anything. They were waiting on a command from Jesus, which has more power than the devil. When they're the devil's little imps or whatever you want to call them, they're not little, they're not little men running around with pitchforks and, and tails or pointed tails, all right? They're not that. They're a spiritual form. But Jesus gave them permission. Jesus gave them permission. The only permission that the devil should have in your life is what you give him. You realize that. What you allow in. What you allow yourself to believe. What you allow yourself to be convinced of that's not of the Word of God. You're allowing those things to happen in your life. You're in essence giving them permission to to do whatever. But when Jesus comes in, he gives them a a different avenue, a different road to go, doesn't he? You know, I, I, he said, he could have easily said, no, you're not going to that group of swine. Go back to hell where you belong. And that's essentially where they went. But, but why the swine? I don't know. People say, well, that's just, you know, it was a commodity in that time and that area. And they made a lot of money and, and they wanted to go there for whatever other reasons. But we know that, that, that there was unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There was about 2,000. 2,000. So legion, we are many, and there's 2,000 swine. And if there was a demon per swine, that's a lot of demons in one person, right? It's a lot of different things going on in that man's life. And the herd ran violently down the steep place in the sea and drowned in the sea. And so the other people in the area were like, wow. They, <coughs> they wasn't happy that this happened. As I said at the beginning, these people in this region were comfortable with the demons there. They were all right with it. Like, yeah, we just won't go around it. No, the demons were there not to just torment him. They were tormenting the whole town, and they couldn't see it. Why? Because they were living in it and didn't want any change in their life. They were, they were comfortable in their sin, as so many of us today get comfortable in our own problems, our own sin, and don't want to do anything about it because it's not working out as we want it to, so we're good with it and just let it sit for a while. Maybe if I don't stir it up, I don't go to the tombs and I don't aggravate this man, he won't come out and, and bother me. I'll just leave him alone. I'll walk by it and do nothing about it. And, and it's the same thing in our own life. If we're good with the sin that's there, why change it? That's a wrong attitude to have. You say, and then we start making excuses for the sin. And they did for this man. He wasn't, he wasn't really hurting anything. He wasn't really doing nothing wrong. They were making excuses 
for the demons that were living there in their own backyard. They were making excuses for those things. They, didn't, they were okay with it. And when we come to a point where we stop making excuses for the sin that we carry around every day, for the sin that we deal with and don't want to give to God and the lifestyle change, why? Because when lifestyle change comes, comes some things that are not going to be easy. We're going to stop having to do things like we're going to do it, like we want to do it, like our flesh wants us to. So, I mean, I'm going to have to abide by the Word of God and not do everything that I want to do. When, when, our, when our desires line up with the Word of God, what we want to do will not be a desire that we want to do. Does that make sense? Our flesh will not give in to those desires. Why? Because our spirit's stronger than our flesh. That doesn't mean that the next day when those things come back up, that devil is not pushing those things on us again. He does it every day. Every day. But they didn't, they didn't thank Jesus for healing the man that was, that was demon-possessed and all these things wrong with him and tormenting that whole place. They didn't thank him for that. No, they said, hey, you need to go. We, we implore you that you and your disciples leave this country. How sad is that? And we see it. We see people in their own lives that have problems. And you're like, what are you doing? Why won't you just change? Why won't you just submit yourself to God today and let Him change your life? And, and we see those people in those situations and, and we're like, why won't you do it? Because they're good in their sin. They don't want Jesus around. Because when Jesus comes, that means change is inevitable. That means change is going to happen. And they don't want it in their life because they're comfortable in their sin. So we'll go on in the book of Mark. I love this next one. We'll end with this one today. Most of if you've been in church, you've heard about the story of the woman with the issue of blood, right? We, we all know it. We're gonna re- Guess what? We're going to read it again today. We're going to read these three verses again. Verse 25. Now there was a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years, and had suffered many things with many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. I love this. And when she heard about Jesus, just as this man that saw Jesus, they didn't even know who he was. They didn't, they didn't say, here comes Jesus. And he said, I'm going to go worship him. No, he went and worshiped him. This woman said, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Does it, does it give a name in any of the Gospels that speak about this or the name of this woman? That tells me that it's not have to be a famous person, somebody on TV. This woman, in essence, had no name that we know of. She had a name. And they knew it back then, but we don't know her name. You don't have to be important in this world for God to work in your life. I don't have to be, you know, some preacher on YouTube or whatever social media that, that's got thousands of followers for people to know my name. No, why? Because I'm speaking the Word of God. And it'll go out and go forth when I speak the Word of God, just as it will you. But this woman, this woman, just some woman, had an issue of blood. A lot of women in here. Y'all deal with issues that men don't deal with. I couldn't imagine. And, and so what this woman was having to deal with day after day, after day for 12 years. But she, 
And sure, she'd done what a lot of us would do. She'd go to the doctor, try to figure it out, do different treatments, whatever's going on. And I believe, and we've talked about it before, God works through doctors and medicine. Because somebody, they, they didn't get the knowledge for these things on their own ability. God gives them those things. And, and so she spent all that she had, but, but she couldn't do anything about it. So she, when she heard about Jesus, she heard about Him. And I love this. This is where the faith of her, where she was at. If I, she said, she said. She didn't say, hey, I've done all I can do. Jesus really can't do nothing else. If she'd have said that, she'd have never been healed. She said, if I only, if I only can touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. If I only, look at the faith that she had. She didn't know that whether, she had no physical evidence that this could happen. It never happened to her before. But she said, if I only can I do this, I will be made well. Why? Because her faith was to that point. Why? Because she was at the end of her rope physically, mentally, emotionally. She saw nothing but Jesus. And that's when Jesus can work. You say, so I gotta, I've got to uh, strip myself down every day. In essence, yes. In essence, we've got to totally submit ourselves to God each and every day. Because if not, then if, if we miss and, and stop doing those things and think, well, I'm good today, what, what is that? When you say, well, I'm good today, that's pride but starting to build back up. And so when we do that, then, then our submitting to God is not full where it needs to be because there's pride that's starting to build up. And we're good today, then we'll say tomorrow, well, I'm good, I'm good now. I'm okay. I'm all right. I feel, like I'm, I feel like I'm where I need to be. You're not. You're not. Why? Because, because we couldn't get to God on our own. So how do we think we feel like we're good enough on our own when we're not? We've got to have Jesus in our life and we've got to submit to Him each and every day. But immediately, because of her faith, this woman was healed and made whole. But we all know that we've, we've, we've tried to do it on our own so many times, through, through difficult times, problems, trials, circumstances on our own, and they never end up well. They never end up where they need to be. They're go, they always end up where they're going to be, and that's normally in the ditch somewhere, and then we're calling to God. Because in our stubborn life, in our prideful life, in our prideful world that we live in, we want to do everything on our own and then call Jesus. Like a 911. Hey, hey, help me now. Help me now. And, and so he's there because he said he's going to be there whenever we call on his name. But hey, why don't we do it beforehand? And then let him work through us and remove ourselves out of it. Remove our, remove our talk. Remove our thoughts that are negative. Remove doubt and unbelief, and let him, faith in him, if we say we have faith in Jesus, let him work in our life. As this woman did, that didn't know anything about Jesus, just heard about him. Verse 30, Mark 5. I love this, always when I, when I read it. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. Mm. Power had gone out of Jesus. The, the, he was more, we said, he's more than just man. It wasn't just, he's a man and there's some power left. No, he felt tired. No, there was some spiritual power that went out of him. And that turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? Who touched me? Because of her face, she made Jesus stop. Because of her face, she made him like, hey, there's somebody that, that, that I can work with right there. They, I see them fully submitting to me right now, and, and I'm going to work in their life. You say, why ain't God done it to me? Because you're still questioning why ain't he done it to you. 
because you're still questioning God. If you were there and you fully touched Jesus and you know that you did, then there would be no questioning. You just say, all right, God, use me as you will. Use me as you will. But he said, and his disciples looked around and said, you, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to her who had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling. Why was she fearing and trembling? For one, she wasn't even supposed to be around people touching her. She was, she was unclean as far as what they talked about back then. She had this issue of blood. She wasn't supposed to be touching anybody. She was. She had to walk around over on the side saying, I'm unclean, 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 and walked around that way all day. And not supposed to be around anybody, but she was in the crowd. So she could have been put to death for making others unclean because she had some disease. <clears throat> so she came fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell before him and told him the truth, the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith, not my faith. It couldn't be the faith of Pastor Mark that makes you well. Now, my faith with your faith praying together, as the Word of God says, can, can, things can happen in your life. But it's your faith. Guess who cannot press in for you today? Me. Your parents can't press in for you today. Your spouse can't press in for you today. Is this woman who, who, who pressed in for this woman? She done it herself, right? So who's the one that's got to press in and ask God to work in their life? You are. So that puts the power not in your hands, but through Jesus working through you and the Holy Spirit working through you. So if you want change and change evident in your life and know Jesus is there, then you have to do something. This woman said, if I do this, if you say these things, if you speak faith in your life, if you speak those things into action, then, then, then God can work with those things. He said, your faith has made you well. Your faith. Your faith. I've heard this my whole life. I can, you cannot ride the coattail of your Christian parents, your grandparents, aunts and uncles, whoever else, into heaven. You've got to be the one to ask Jesus in your heart. I can't ask Him for you. If I could, then my children would be living as they're supposed to. You know, people, other people in my life that I know would be doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Because I said, hey, they need to be saved and got to save them right then. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work. Why? Because those people still have free will to do what they want to do, just as I did. It stinks. It's not great. We don't want it that way. But you've got to come to the point to where you press in. And you change your situation in your life. And you change how you view whatever is going on in the problem in your own life. And through that, see God work and move. Not in the way that you may want to, but see God work and move in, in your life and in the situation. And as you pray for yourself, then the outcome of the situation, whatever it is, it may... It, it, it may turn out to be not as you're praying for. You're like, what? Well, if I'm praying for it, it should turn out that way. <clears throat> not necessarily. Why? The other people in that situation may not be pressing in. Right? But, through that, whatever the situation turns out, Okay, however it turns out, you will be built up in your faith because you pressed in 
and you can see a difference in your attitude and a change in your attitude to where, hey, this did not turn out the way I thought it would. But you know what? Here, here's your talk. Before, before this happened, before you do this, most of our talk is, well, it's not turning out the way I want to, so what's the point? But if you really dive into the Word of God and pray and believe Him and put your trust in Him and faith in Him and then something don't turn out the way you think it should, you can say through that, hey, it didn't work out the way I thought it would, but I know God's still God and He's still on the throne and He's still working in my life and my faith is in Him, that at some point this is going to change. Right? Okay, you see the difference in those two kinds of talk? And those two kinds of attitude? Stop being over here to this first attitude. And thinking that nothing's ever going to get better. Nothing's ever going to change. And press in as this woman did after 12 years. That's a long time. I don't want to wait 12 minutes for something to happen for God to work. I couldn't imagine 12 years. But she didn't give up. Did she? She heard about Jesus. She didn't give up. So if you're here today, the only way you're ever going to get to this point in your life if is at first you make Jesus Lord of your life. So the only way you can ever have faith in Jesus is to accept Him as the Lord and Savior of your life. That's a lot of faith in itself. And, and then, submit yourself fully to Him. Say, I'm tired of the way my life is going. I want God to change it. Let Him change it. Let Him change it. And when we pray that prayer, then you're pressing in, you yourself, and asking God that you could be different. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand this morning. I said earlier, I don't believe anybody was just here off a whim. You felt something and you know you needed God to work in your life, whatever it is this morning. The Holy Spirit's here, has been here the whole time. And the Holy Spirit, we've talked about before, convicts us of our sins is what He's here for. So that with that convicting of sins and convicting of things that we need to change in our life, it's up to you to confess those sins. And then He said He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Then you get up from that and go on and live knowing that Jesus has forgiven me of my sins. That I pressed in as this woman did. That I've let, I've let these things go in my life that are oppressing me, that are tormenting me in my life, and I've given them all to God. And then I'm going to go on with the knowledge that He's taking care of me every day. So with head bowed and eyes closed this morning, if that's you, if Jesus is not Lord of your life, today is the day of salvation. Stop holding on to things in your life and allow Him to work and move to where you can see God for who He truly is.